Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast, Bryce Diamond, post-game versus the Phoenix Suns. Game number four on this Western road trip. We've played the coastal games, and now we're making our way slowly, but surely, east. We've now made it past the halfway mark of this Western road swing. Seven games on the road. This is our fourth. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys knew this. I I sure didn't. But Phoenix is actually in mountain time. I thought for sure the city of Phoenix, along with the state of Arizona, was in Pacific time. It's Phoenix is about, you know, five, six hours west of L.A., L.A. and the state of California, of course, on uh, Pacific time. Pacific time goes California, Oregon, Washington, and then, of course, into British Columbia. But the state of Arizona and Phoenix are in mountain time. So last night, I knew that the game tipped off at 7 o'clock local time. I then see that it's nine o'clock Eastern. And I was like, well, maybe I read incorrectly. Maybe it was a 6 p.m. local tip. Why would they start a weekday game at 6 p.m.? I thought that was strange. It's not a Sunday. Like 6 p.m. seems like an odd time. Who knows? Maybe Phoenix, maybe Scottsdale, maybe, maybe the Phoenix area, the suburbs, they get off work early. I don't know. It was a funny kind of, you know, trying to figure this out. And then I realized, I I read, because I did a quick search, Phoenix is on mountain time. Um, I never expected that. Uh, When you look at Arizona's relationship to Nevada, Arizona's relationship to Texas and Mexico, uh, Mexico, of course, also on mountain time, I believe most, most of the, uh, most of the city, sorry, sorry, the country of Mexico is on, uh, mountain time. Um, but Mexico city, uh, which is just a little further East, uh, from Phoenix is actually on central time. So I, I was, regardless, I was surprised. That's what I'm trying to say that this game started when it did. Um, I was going to turn the game on, uh, you know, in the second half at 9.30, 10 o'clock, um, you know, thinking that I was, I was going to see the second half. And then uh, I actually ended up turning the game on at 10.30 and the game's already starting the fourth quarter. So that threw me completely off. Um, had no idea that that was the case. I've learned something, folks, and I hope that, that all of us as we get older 
are uh, giving room <laughs> for education, uh, in reg- regardless of what uh, field uh, or area of interest we're reading about. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, this this game um, was between the Toronto Raptors and the Phoenix Suns. It was a game that ha- sees two teams who have been banged up this season. It sees uh, two teams without two of their starters, the Phoenix Suns, without their best player, Devin Booker. It also sees two teams matching up with records that are below what they expect at this point. Devin Booker now um, completed his 18th game sitting on the bench. He has a pretty bad groin injury. Um, I don't know if it was a tear um, in the groin muscle, but it's a muscle like the abdominal area. Um, OG had that, uh, I, I can't remember if it was last season or the Tampa season, but, um, where he just couldn't get healthy. It, it just took a long time to rehabilitate the abs and, and the groin is, is similar. You see hockey players with this all the time where they just can't get back into a game situation because it, it's, it's, there's so much connective muscles between the hip and the groin and the abdominals. Um, and so it just takes time. I'm sure Devin Booker is quite frustrated. 18 games out. This is a team that was um, first or second before this injury. Um, they were a team that, um, you know, fizzled out last season in the second round to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they were a team that many thought could could push the Golden State Warriors um, and certainly a, a good rivalry was brewing between the two of them during the regular season. And uh, here they were, um, Phoenix, you know, feeling like they could get to that conference final and they get knocked out by Dallas and look at magic. So um, they come into this season with, with lots of um, focus and purpose as they did last season. They're on top of the Western Conference, whether first or second. Um, the Grizzlies are right there. And then Devin Booker gets this injury, uh, you know, 30, 32 games into the season. And they have struggled mightily, as you would expect. This is a thinner team because Jay Crowder um, has, has been upset, disappointed. Uh, with the role that he was asked to play this year, which was coming off the bench. Um, I believe they started Cam Johnson instead of Devin Booker. And so he never even showed up. Um, I think there was, he was at training camp for a little while. And then he, he just said, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming to play. Um, Cam Johnson got the starting role. And I think to be honest, Cam Johnson's the, the better player. He's younger. He he's quicker he can shoot the ball better, um, and you have Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, um, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton, and you would have had Devin Booker as well in that starting lineup to start the season. Coming off your bench, Saric, um, Cameron Payne, they got Lansdale is a, is a big body, Biombo is a big body. They also got Damian Lee, who, who's won a chip with the Warriors. Um, I believe the brother-in-law to, to Steph and Seth Curry. And they had a good group there. And Jay Crowder would have rounded off that group quite nicely in that kind of 3-4 role. 
Um, they also had uh, Ishmael Wainwright, who was on the Raptors last year, and and Akoji, who I believe was on the Orlando Magic last year. I think I got the right guy. I don't think he was uh, a Cleveland guy, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he did play for Cleveland. But, you know, this was a team uh, who, if they have Jay Crowder, uh, they have a little more depth and certainly a ton of continuity. And, you know, he, um, he, he just didn't show up. And that's got to be pretty disappointing for the Phoenix Suns because, you know, they were looking really, really good. Akoji played for the Minnesota Timberwolves for four seasons. My apology. Um, I'm thinking of, of somebody else. Uh, but regardless, Akoji was a good pickup for them, added uh, depth to that small forward spot coming off the bench. And I think most people would have said Phoenix was in the top four. Now, Knowing that DeAndre Ayton, there was so much hesitancy, uh, reluctance to signing him when he entered free agency. And then, of course, Phoenix decides to match uh, the Indiana Pacers contract to him. He was a restricted free agent. So once they match, he automatically uh, goes to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I believe it was only like a one shot deal. Um, There's... Uh, you know, offers that can be put on the table, the highest bid wins, and then Phoenix has the opportunity to then match that. Once they match that, um, it's over. He goes to Phoenix. So I don't know all the ins and outs of that situation, but it seemed like it had a lot of tension. Certainly the media portrayed it that way. But again, this is a team that, you know, they a lot of folks felt like they were going to be a top four team in the West. I, I believe had them at seven this season. Um, and I felt like Chris Paul was um, – he, he was starting to really go on the decline. That was exposed uh, in, in the spotlight in that Dallas series. Uh, I thought there was some internal conflict with, with DeAndre Ayton. Of course, Crowder doesn't show up um, you know, before the season starts. And I thought, yeah, this team's not going to figure out. But they played great basketball before Devin Booker uh, got into the lineup. And then he gets injured, and they've they've really, really struggled. Um, the last 18 games have not been great for them. Uh, they did have uh, – they have won six of the last seven. So that's in- impressive. But before winning six of the last seven, they were – one and nine. They won one game in 10. They won two games in 12. So they had a complete collapse, but they've been able to figure it out. I think um, Booker, you know, is probably going to show up after the all-star break. And certainly the six of the last seven gives them a real chance at, at getting uh, Booker back healthy instead of trying to, you know, push them maybe a little bit before the All-Star break. So well done for them. Um, it also gives them a chance to look at what do they actually need? Who actually wants Jay Crowder? Um, can they survive without campaign? Who, who has been good for them uh, over the years, especially over the last two seasons? Again, if, like Ishmael Wainwright, a former uh, Raptors 905 guy. So 
you know, this is a, an interesting connection that Phoenix has. Uh, apparently, after the game last night, um, Masai Ujiri and James Jones, uh, their GM, were were seen walking off the court at the same time. Now, that might not mean anything, uh, but there could be some really good conversations between the two of them. Uh, regardless, this team has figured out a way to get wins, stay uh, above the 500 mark, and have an 18-8 and eight record at home despite being without Devin Booker for 18 games. Last night, uh, this matchup once again saw a big 7-foot or 7-foot-plus center in DeAndre Ayton facing the Raptors, and, and they struggle with this. Nurkic wasn't playing for Portland. Otherwise, that game would have been, I think, a lot different. Not saying Portland wins, but it would have been a lot different. Um, against the Golden State Warriors, offensively, we were able to stay in it for three and a half quarters because they don't have uh, a real dominant presence. They have a big guy, but he's not a dominant presence, certainly not on the offensive end in Kevon Looney. And defensively does some really good things. He meshes well with the team. He's good for the payroll too, for a team who's gone into the luxury tax at a historical level in the Warriors. But, uh, you know, we were able to stay in that game. Well, the same was true for this game. With 3.02 to go, we're up 100 to 99. We're up a point. We're, we're staying in there. But unfortunately, we couldn't do those extra things to create separation. And apparently this was a very physical game. I didn't see the first three quarters, but it was a very physical game. And we got pushed around. Pascal didn't particularly uh, play great, certainly not on the offensive end. Fred was solid. Gary was solid. Um, Fred 24, Gary 21, Pascal 19. But the three of them combined for... Six of 22 from the three-point line. That, that's about 28% from downtown. As a team, we shot 27%. Um, it, it was pretty awful from, from those three guys and as a team. And unfortunately, if you're going to do that on the road, you're not going to have much success. And what I know about Phoenix Suns teams or Chris Paul teams is if it's within, you know, zero to five points with five minutes to go, Chris Paul's probably going to take over and just figure out a way for his team to win the basketball game. And the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, with the three-point shooting uh, and the looks that they got, uh, if they hit 35% last night and those three guys who I mentioned before are starters – Fred, Gary, and Pascal hit three more threes to go nine of 22. Um, and, and now you're in that kind of 35 to 40 range. Even if the rest of the guys like Scotty Barnes shoot over four, you have put yourself in a fantastic position. Now it's 109.99 with 320 to go. And you just have to manage the clock. You just have to make sure you cover the boards, get them off the line at the three point line, right? And that wasn't the case. And as this game played out, all the advantages that Phoenix has 
um, going like starting the game, they also finished the game. They executed very well. Mikael Bridges shot the mid-range excellently. He had 29 game-high points. DeAndre Ayton uh, got on the glass late in the game twice to get uh, keep possessions alive. Uh, one of them, Chris Paul, hits a three to go up 106-102 with a minute 30 to go. If they don't get that rebound and we go back the other way in transition, down 103-102, uh, that's a different ball game. And you've got to be able to win those battles. Aiton had five offensive rebounds, including two in the final three minutes. Um, he was 22 points, 13 rebounds. That's exactly the type of game you expect him to have. And um, unfortunately, the Raptors couldn't get the job done. You have to have a better three-point shooter. We again decided not to play Wieskamp. He's played, what, one game? Uh, of minutes of, of note, not garbage minutes, and he was three for four from downtown. Why, why isn't he playing? Um, that's something I don't understand. Our bench last night, uh, you know, despite me talking about the starters and, and, and pointing out once again that we can't shoot the three ball well, uh, not with any real significance or impact, um, and we're right there. We're up one with 320 to go. And if we had have been, you know, hitting even two more threes, we're up seven. Um, our bench, their bench, they had seven different guys play, kind of like the Warriors. You want to play a long season well, not affecting the health of your starters, you play a bench. You play five guys at least. We've played three, maybe four guys. Uh, last night we played four guys, but only one guy off the bench, I believe. I'll double check this. Two guys, sorry, played 10 minutes or more. Boucher played 24 minutes, wasn't all that impactful, although he did have 11 rebounds, respect to him. Thad Young played 14 minutes. He's not going to be a stalwart offensively, he had four points. He did have three steals, good for him. No assists, though. We had five guys played, but Coloco played two. Herman Gomez played seven. Malachi Flynn, who did hit two threes. Good for you, Malachi. He only played seven minutes. And so again, you're asking the starters to play 38, 39, 37 minutes. And they're not shooting the three ball well. Our bench isn't necessarily giving us much. They combined for 15 points off the bench, the Raptors bench. The bench for the Phoenix Suns, who had three guys play at least 10 minutes, but had 12 different guys play, their bench combined for 38 points. You're getting a 23-point advantage from your bench. It's going to be extremely difficult for the Raptors on any given night. If their bench gets outscored 38-15, your legs are already tired because you're playing the most minutes of any starters in the NBA. It's going to be really difficult on the road, your fourth road game, to get a win. And if it's close, it's going to be really hard when you have a significant disadvantage at the center spot against DeAndre Ayton. Uh, incredible execution executor of offense in the point God himself, CP3. And a good overall 
well-experienced, high-continuity chemistry team in the Phoenix Suns, who went to the finals two years ago, were the number one seed in the West last year and played ridiculously well before Devin Booker got injured and have won five of the last six going into this game. It's going to be really hard to be able to get over a 23-point deficit that your bench presented to you. Now, again, could the starters have played better? Could they have hit two more threes and been up 106.99 with 320 to go? It's possible. If we're up seven with 320 to go, do we get two more baskets? Is it now, you know, 110-110, your ball with under 30 seconds to go? These are the scenarios I play in my head all the time. It's possible. It's very possible that it's that close. And maybe you have the last shot. Maybe you hit it. Maybe you don't. Maybe they have the ball in their hands. And and then we would blame it on the starters for not being able to win that game because, once again, in clutch minutes, they're not – but they're exhausted. Why aren't they winning in clutch? Is it because of the players who are starting? Or is it because of our schemes? Or is it because they're exhausted because our bench sucks and there's no trust whatsoever from Nick? Who knows, right? There's all kinds of possibilities. But you can't just blame the starters for not performing in the clutch when for 45 minutes, 43 minutes before the clutch begins, the bench has given you a 23-point disadvantage. And for me, I know OG's injured. That's one guy. Even if OG played, there might have been only two guys who played 10 minutes or more. It's probably Precious and Chris. But remember, they're without campaign last night. They're without Devin Booker. So we get OG, they get their guys. Hey, they get the advantage on that. What are we doing, right, with our bench? How are we make, being able to close that gap? To me at that point, it's either you have to play your bench and develop them, and that's a coaching issue, or you have to get other guys. You have to fill the gaps, and we've been talking about this over and over again. But it's just a reoccurring theme, and I think for me as a fan, for me as someone who analyzes the team and believes in these starters, I'm not going to put the clutch minutes anymore on the starters when there's that big a deficit. If the, if the bench had scored 25 and it's, you know, 30-25 Phoenix advantage over the, the Toronto Raptors bench, okay, then we can talk about the starters. But in this situation, very similar to that Minnesota game, very similar to many games this season, Atlanta Hawks game, Indiana Pacers game. Um, you know, th- th- this keeps coming up. And for me, when your bench is getting destroyed that much, this is a Bobby and Masai issue. And I know in Masai we trust, and I do. And I see him. I see Masai and Bobby walking around trying to figure out 
what makes the most sense. I don't think Nick Nurse's job is on the line, although I do disagree with many of the things he's done this year. But the reoccurring themes, these patterns that keep existing, just keep exposing our insufficiencies. And it sucks. It's hard as Groundhog Day comes up, it's hard to experience a Groundhog Day type season. And that's what it's been. It's been Groundhog Day for the Toronto Raptors. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say um, about this team. Mikel Bridges was great. He hit some great pull-up shots. They needed someone to step up. He did. DeAndre Ayton needed to get on the offensive glass. He, he did that. Presa Shachua played a solid game again. Five offensive rebounds, 12 rebounds total. Was Had 11 points, five of nine from the field. That's pretty solid. Outside of his three-pointers from the field, uh, Pascal was, was six of 13, four, four from the line. Not bad, but his rebounding, only three rebounds, one assist. Fred's been the more of the playmaker these past five, six, seven games. Nine assists for Fred. Three turnovers, three to three, uh, three assists to, to one turnover ratio. That's actually pretty good. He fouled out at the end of the game. He had 24 points. He was nine of 19, four or five from the line. Uh, he shot miserably from the from downtown, but from inside the arc, he had the mid-range game going pretty well. He was actually seven for eleven. You know, there's not a lot more you can ask for outside of his three-point shooting from Fred Van Vliet. I don't know what to say, guys. But as I walked outside with this clear, crystal clear blue sky today in Ottawa, minus 15 outside. Um, as I was walking outside dropping my daughter off at school, I said a little prayer. As I was walking up to the coffee shop with Zaya. I said a little prayer. As I was coming back home and, and I was watching the highlights of, of the Toronto Raptors game from last night, just to get me focused for this episode, I was saying a little prayer. And every time I was saying a little prayer for Nick Nurse. Because I feel like if he doesn't make more adjustments, he might get fired. If he doesn't make uh, get the guys that he needs from Masai and Bobby, uh, he might blow a gasket. If Malachi Flynn continues to underperform, uh, he, he, might, he might blow up. Um, I worry about some of the starters. Now, you know, the frustration's growing to a high level. I say a little prayer for Nick Nurse today. I don't feel bad for him. I just want to <laughs> intercede on his behalf. <laughs> oh man all right y'all well we'll keep it there we're two and two on this road trip it's not the end of the world uh even if we don't get to the playoffs it's not the end of the world we've got a we've got a good group of guys but it, it has been a slog and it has been like groundhog day next up uh for the toronto raptors as we continue this western road swing is, uh, I believe, the Utah Jazz. Yep, the Utah Jazz, also in Mountain Time, 9 p.m. <laughs> Eastern start. Uh, they're a Mountain Time team. And then we get the Houston Rockets before traveling to the Memphis Grizzlies, and then we have four games at home. Here's my quick prediction. After the Memphis Grizzlies game on Sunday, 
we will see a trade. That's my prediction. Um, it may surprise us depending on what happens over the next three games. Um, it may hurt us depending on what happens over the next three games. But I believe there will be a trade uh, on, by Sunday night before midnight. And uh, I, I think it will tell us very clearly um, the direction of this team. Not necessarily for this season, but I, I think it will. I think it will be telling for next season uh, as well and into the summer. Um, but that's a prediction of mine that there will be a trade Sunday night after the, the Memphis Grizzlies game. Could be late, uh, early. It could be early morning or late night, depending how you look at it. But that's a prediction. Uh, tomorrow, February 1st, starts uh, Black History Month. Um, and, and that will uh, begin uh, many celebrations and observations by various uh, organizations, including the Toronto Raptors. And for us on the pod, uh, we will have at least three episodes focused on significant uh, African-Americans or black players or, or uh, people within the basketball landscape. Um, the first episode will be um, LeBron James, focus on LeBron James. It will happen next week. Um, as he nears the scoring title of all time, passing the f- almost 40-year record that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has held. Uh, and then we will do an episode on uh, Michelle Roberts, the former executive director of the NBA Players Associ- Association, um, as we continue kind of this theme of NBA empowerment, player empowerment, within the NBA. And, and then there'll be one more episode and and it likely will be a Canadian, uh, but we're still figuring out exactly who that's going to be. And uh, we'll let you know as, uh, as black history month uh, rolls out. Um, All right, y'all be well, enjoy the sunshine wherever you are. Hopefully it's sunny for you. And if you're in Ottawa, enjoy this crystal clear day, get the sunglasses on, um, and, and really enjoy it even though it's cold. All right, peace, y'all. I think I don't, I don't do dreaming, boy. I'm on your